We think sometimes, we hope sometimes, we have faith sometimes about experiencing the inner realms, pure consciousness, pure awareness, sat chitananda bliss. And we will. The experience will happen, but it will happen as a silent, clear, absolute, natural, effortless experience. What then do we practice? Is there a need for practice? Everything is as it shall always be. Everything has always been as it was meant to be. We merely need to relax beyond relaxation. Just let everything be. The real center of every bubble of awareness, the real center of our awareness, the real center of celestial awareness is in the same place. All awareness sits in equipoise at the very center of the entire cosmos. You say, how can that be? If we say, how can that be? It's because we're looking at something, wanting to know something, all knowingness. Awareness is at the root of all existence. That singular awareness comes from a singular source of awareness. At the very core of nirvana consciousness, the last level of consciousness, or you could say the first level of consciousness. Depends upon whether we're looking in or looking out. We think sometimes that meditation takes time. Practice takes time, my friends. It's an illusion. It's an illusion in the sense that practice itself does not deliver awareness. Awareness is already there. It's only when we have a certitude, a silent certitude, a taste, a hunger that takes no time, an awareness that's always there of the inner awareness, of the celestial inner awareness. When awareness of awareness, then we experience the true dharma, the true wisdom, the true essence of it all. But if we hold that experience, try to measure it, try to understand it, it's immediately lost. <laughs> it's only when we're pondering to, <laughs> that, that awareness takes effort, form, substance is before all form. Clear awareness is before all energy. Being before all energy, it's before all light, all sound, all entities of all types, all objects of all types, all molecules of all types. We are creatures of awareness. So is the grass, so are the insects. 
so are the rocks, so are the heavens. But having traveled to the ends of all experience, having dreamed every dream that can be dreamed and experienced every cluster of energy patterns that can be experienced, we have a refined sense of perception and discrimination. Trouble is, we think we need to use it to enjoy it. We don't, and discrimination. And it's in the middle of an energy pattern engine, which we call the mind. But this energy pattern engine also works at a soul level. And everything that can be perceived can be perceived from within pure awareness. Everything that can be known can be known from within pure awareness. Everything that can be experienced can be experienced from within pure awareness. As disciples, we most, we, we believe at one point or another, and I did as well, that gurus teach. Nay, true guru doesn't teach anything. True guru can only point, can only redirect your own attention inward so that you yourself can look through the mirrors of your own experiences and let go of all sense of time and existence and knowledge. We see in these mirrors, we see eventually that self-experience is a waste of precious opportunity, spiritual opportunities. We see eventually that self-knowledge is one of the biggest barriers we could possibly encounter. It's like an infinite, immortal engine of awareness that pulls us in, pulls our attention in. If we simply let it be, we will become the essence of awareness. We will become the essence of our own soul. And then moving beyond even that level of self-awareness, we'll go beyond the limitations of the soul's awareness. As our awareness becomes celestially natural, as it becomes part and parcel of the one consciousness of the entire cosmos. And when we've allowed that to arise and fall, when we've allowed that to spontaneously enlighten us at the rate that we need to be enlightened at, we eventually reach source awareness. And in source awareness, we will have completed our sojourn. I'm gonna to read today from a beautiful little book called No Gate Gateway. It's a translation of the writings of Wu Men Kung. It's an ancient Chinese teacher of Zen Buddhism. Wu Men Hai Ke lived in the time frame of 1183 to 1260 AD during the Song Dynasty, golden age poetry and philosophy in ancient China. 
he was a Zen master. Beautiful, beautiful poet. Beautiful teacher. And he wrote these tiny little poems, these short poems, almost a story form. And then he would comment on the real meaning of the story. So we're going to go through a few of these poems today. Very short. This poem is called Two Monks Raised the Blind. Asked by the monks, the students, their teacher, Dharma Eye of Lucid Chill Mountain, took his place at the front of the meditation hall, ready to give instructions. He then pointed to the blinds, window blinds, still down for meditation. I've sat in a number of different types of Buddhist halls where Karmapas and the, the Sharmapas, the high lamas tend to sit. Sometimes it's in a large basement some, without windows. Sometimes it's in a hall in a normal level. In meditation, they'll raise, they'll lower the blinds at night. And an advanced lama teacher will start the meditation in the evening and sometimes when the light trickles through the blinds in the morning the lama is still meditating in any event when it's time for the dharma to be taught the blinds are usually open so in this case the great monk, Dharma Eye of Lucid Chill Mountain, is ready to talk and he raises his hand and points at the blind. Immediately, two monks jumped up from their position and ran to the windows and raised the blinds. When that happened, the monk said, one did, one didn't. This was his teaching. Four words. One did. One did not. So he comments. Wu Men comments on his own poem. He says, okay, right now, because he's talking to students about this other situation with a different set of students. Right now, monk, speak up. Tell me which one did it and which one did not do it. If you can real that, reveal that with Buddha eye clarity, you'll understand everything. Even so, when you explain things, don't anyone dare to start talking about did or did not. Well, 
what does this mean? What's the real meaning here? What is the real meaning? We have obstructions when we think we're obstructed. When we think we need to grow, when we think we need to change, when we need to think there's something that needs to be accomplished, when we want to see farther, understand deeper, meditate with greater clarity, reach a new location, accomplish a task, a meditative task or a worldly task. And all of these situations, that very attitude creates obstructions of one kind or another. Desire to accomplish something, see something, do something is a desire-based energy pattern which automatically is counterbalanced by a fear-based energy pattern. So if we were wiggling our fingers and we're proud of ourselves, we said to ourselves, I can wiggle my fingers, our negative mind would say, and we've experienced this. No, you can't, you're getting older. Oh, but I just did it. Oh, but you have arthritis. You're not gonna be able to do it forever and so forth and so on. Every desire followed by a fear. Every aspect of imagination followed by an obstruction to imagination. But in life, there are really no obstructions. Everything, 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 everything is always clear to the one that allows, naturally allows everything to be clear. If there's no sense of self, then there's no need for accomplishment or protection or existence. And we go beyond these obstacles, these illusionary hurdles, as we go deeper and deeper into meditation. Awareness, true awareness, is beyond knowledge, beyond even PhD level knowledge beyond all wisdom that we can ascertain or point to. This experience of clear awareness can't even be called an experience. The minute you call it an experience, it doesn't happen. The minute you think you're having an experience, you're not having an experience of clear awareness. Clear awareness is beyond the one gaze, the one taste, the one view.
deep, deep inside, there is no difference between what is experienced in the experiencer and the timelessness of it all. At the deepest levels, everything happens in an everlasting instance. And the awareness of it is totality. It's a totality of awareness where there is never a loss of awareness or a gain of greater awareness. It's a pre-existing awareness that is always totally aware of itself as the awareness that it is. Thus, it's also beyond faith, beyond effort. So in essence, there is really no one, there is no one that does anything. For everything that occurs, occurs instantly without effort. It happens naturally in such a way that it can't even be called an occurrence or an experience. To raise blinds when we're a seeker, when we're a disciple, when we're practicing sadhana, is to fathom, even on the most subtlest level, it's to fathom the empty skies of illumination, to fathom the awareness of awareness, to fathom, silently fathom, sense, experience the brilliant experience of resonance, of coherent alignment. But even at that level of awareness, you see, we still have blinds. For we're blinded at that level of our need to be aware of awareness. And the fact that mere awareness of awareness is a blinding obstacle. So, woman, says that broad seas are transformed into high peaks. But how does that explain anything for you? The broad seas, you see, it's a broad sea, cosmic consciousness. And within it, our soul was given existence. But when it tried to exist as something other than pure awareness, it that desire to be immediately created mountains and mountains and mountains and valleys and valleys and valleys of obstacles. But once we've gone full circle, then our awareness returns to its original source as a celestial sea of clear awareness. Beautiful, it's called. 
a monk asked another mythical monk, another mythical Zen teacher. So a disciple monk asked a Zen teacher called Wellspring South Mountain, is there a Dharma? Is there a teaching? Is there a wisdom, Buddha wisdom that no one's ever taught? Is there some secret that I don't know, he seems to be saying. There is, replied Master Wellspring. What is this Dharma, the student asked, that no one's ever taught? And the master asked, answered, it isn't mind. It isn't Buddha. It isn't anything at all. This is exactly what we've been talking about. We've been talking about that which can't be talked about. <laughs> but is that true? It's true when we aren't there in the middle of it. When we're in the middle of it, then we understand what the ancient Buddhist cone meant, that first there's a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. advanced Zen teacher will know that as a teenager, there were all these mountains of obstacles between the student and the knowledge that the student was seeking. But then when they started to go beyond the mind, the mountain disappeared and soul awareness was the nature of the day. That too is still a hill, maybe not a mountain, but still a hill that has to, we have to go beyond. When we be, go beyond that and every other hill, any other obstacle that exists, we end up in the clear awareness of source consciousness. And then we can say to ourselves, first there was a mountain, then there was no mountain, then there is. Knowing that the awareness, clear awareness, is everything, in everything. Whether we call it a mountain or not, these are just labels. The Dharma of all Dharma the wisdom of all wisdom, the spiritual wisdom of all spiritual wisdom is the effortless, timeless, immortal existence of still, clear, source, absolute awareness. It is not something that can be experienced, defined. It is something that is in and of itself. 
when we go beyond self-illusion, illusion of self, we go beyond the biggest barrier to this type of awareness. Talk. Wu Min Khan says, talk itself, teachings themselves, only means mirror sight clarity ruined. True student will melt into clear awareness in a meditation hall. And in that clear awareness, we'll clearly experience an even deeper awareness of the teacher in front of them. The other students might complain to the monk, oh, my goodness, isn't that disrespectful? He sits in front of you with eyes closed. But a great lama like Wu Men Khan, whether the chatter comes from our mouth or our minds or our souls, it doesn't matter. The chatter itself is an illusion. Chatter itself creates obstacles, creates blinds, fetters, veils between us and a clear awareness that is what and who we have always been. Another poem called Dragon Lake Long Renowned. So mirror sight mountain hungrily questioned dragon late into the night. Finally, Lake said, the night is deep. You should have left by now. So the mountain bowed in homage, raised the blinds and left. But seeing it was dark outside, he stepped back in and said, it's pitch dark out there outside of the meditation hall. So the monk Dragon Lake lit a paper lantern candle and offered it to him. Then just as Mountain reached out to take it, Lake blew it out. At this, Mountain was suddenly awakened. He bowed reverently and Lake asked, you just saw the inner pattern of the way. Tell me, what is it? The student answered that from this day on, here amidst all heavens, I'll never doubt the tongue of an old master. The next morning, the great sage, Dragon Lake took his place before the Sangha, the disciples in the room, the disciples in the ashram, and said, here among you, worthy monks, is someone with fangs like a forest of swords and a mouth like a bowl of blood. Attack him with a stick and he won't even turn his head. The day will come when he'll journey to a lone mountaintop and established our Buddha way there. Mountain thereupon gathered all of his writings, his notes and commentaries, and carried them to the front of the Dharma hall and piled them there. Holding a torch, he explained, even if you understand all the intricacies of the dark enigma itself, it's barely a hair's breadth adrift in the vast emptiness of this cosmos. And even if you comprehend through and through that 
loom of origins at the heart of things. It's barely a drop tossed into the endless seas. Having said this, he lit the pile of papers, bowed reverently, and then washed out. In an incredible time, the books on science are uncountable. The things that science observes are uncountable. Books on history of our planet and civilizations are uncountable. The stories are innumerable. The origin of the stories go back hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of years. Stories about the cosmos go back billions, even trillions of years. And yet, there's nothing. It's barely a drop in an ocean of consciousness that's a godzillion times greater than the sum of all of this earthly knowledge. The breadth and depth of wisdom on earth, accumulated breadth and depth of scientific wisdom on earth. It's like a tiny, 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 infinitesimally small speck on the horizon of the cosmos. The combined light of our solar system against the fab, fabric of an immense sky of brilliance, much less in the heavenly regions. The awareness, the vision, the clarity, the sense of peace, sense of freedom, the vastness of the horizon is godzillions of times more incomprehensible than the most imaginable person on earth. There's no comparison. Which is why so many saints say that once you start to go within, throw away the books, burn your books, burn your knowledge, ignore all books. Once you start to experience clear awareness, once you have a taste of that first bubble of clear awareness within, you're on a path of understanding that doesn't require any maps, doesn't require any stories, doesn't require any more knowledge. We can, even without a teacher, to celestial source awareness. Everything that's ever been learned, everything that will ever be learned, or known, or seen, or experienced. Once you hit that first bubble of awareness, you're on a path of incredible magic and mystery and discoveries. But throughout it all, throughout it all, the only thing that's important is the divine presence within the awakening process itself. Pay attention to that. It's like sitting in the cockpit of a jet. It's so fast that it moves beyond the speed of time. That's what's in front of us. That's what's inside of us. That's our birthright, our destiny. It's inevitable. One more poem entitled, Not Wind, Not Flag. The sixth Zen patriarch came because the Dharma talk flag was up at the monastery gate, beating there in the wind. 
Someone's going to talk today, in other words, the flag is up. He found two mon monks who were arguing, and one monk was looking at this flag in the wind and said, it's the flag that's simply flying. And the other monk said, no, 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 no. It's the wind that is flying and not the flag. They argued back and forth, but couldn't find anything to agree upon. One monk was convinced that it was the wind that was flying. And the other monk says, no, 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 it's the flag that is flying. It's not the wind that is flying, observed the six patriarchs. And it's also not the flag that's flying. It's simply your mind that is flying. The two monks grew silent immediately and a little fearful. Wu man explains, it's not the wind that's flying, nor is it the flag that is flying. Furthermore, it's not even the mind that is flying. So where is it that you can, what is it that you can see? You here before me in the Sangha, if you can see right through this kindred intimacy, if you can cut clean through to the intimate essence of this, you'll know that these two monks paid for iron and got gold instead. Our teacher, the sixth patriarch, he couldn't resist showing off. And that's why everything fell apart. Wind, flag, mind, yes, they're all flying. That lone form led everything, led everyone astray. If insight is nothing but opens mouths, talking, who sees words always falling. Everything happens spontaneously. Time is time. When we're meditating and we reach that first bubble of awareness and we're floating in that first bubble of awareness, Spontaneously, thoughts will arise and fall. Thoughts will spontaneously come and go. If we stop to say the thoughts are flying, we'll, we'll fall out of our clear awareness. If we stop to say they're moving, they're bothering me, we will fall out of clear awareness. Why then do the thoughts come and go? And then why, even later, do they fail to come and go? The coming and going of things, whatever those things are, are an instruction. It's a special wisdom that we can see when we don't look, when that magic mirror is pointing us inward. When we don't see things as things, even though they come and go, then we can let go of our imagination. When we let go of imagination, things are no longer things. Thoughts that come and go, emotions that come and go, colors, lights, celestial sounds that come and go, even within our meditation, are like dandelion fluff, floating in the imagination of our subtle mind. When we see these things come and go and ignore the coming and going, when we ignore the temptation to watch, when we ignore the temptation to label, when we ignore everything else except the source of awareness itself, then everything that comes and goes no longer exists. 
when we think of things in terms of things that exist and don't exist, you see, it's an illusion that begs for things to come and go. But staying in clear awareness without realizing that we're staying, all other things that would otherwise come into and out of our awareness cease to come and go. Our awareness sometimes fades and we re-enter the dream world of the mind. But upon seeing the dreams, an advanced soul will remember, will immediately remember the coming and going of awareness. And worse yet, the coming and going of things within awareness. And a great student will smile at the beauty and the magic and the mystery and the pristine, precious nature of life as clear awareness itself. Clear awareness is not just our birthright, not just our destiny, not just something that's inevitable. It's something that we really, truly are at all times. Namaste.